Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Welcome, everybody. Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. I'm Greg Jambarisi, your host. Thanks for tuning in here today. Episode number 29. We're going to be joined by 2021 and 2019 Blue Claws pitcher Josh Hendrickson coming up in just a moment. Hook, line, and splitter. Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast is presented by NJR Home Services, your New Jersey heating and cooling experts, bringing you high heat and cool savings. Our last episode, we had Logan O'Hoppy on before that. Mike Morve, outgoing Blue Claws groundskeeper. We urge you to like, rate, subscribe, review. Go to blueclaws.com slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Josh Hendrickson, a 6'4 left-hander from Perth in Western Australia. He played with the Blue Claws uh, his draft year 2019 and then back again uh, to start the 2021 season. Of course, the Blue Claws moved up to high A at that point, made six appearances, gave up just six runs in 19 and two-thirds innings, struck out 27, walked five. So you kind of had an idea that his time uh, with the Blue Claws would be relatively short-lived. He spent the bulk of the year with A Redding. We'll talk about that with Josh. 364 already there, 14 games, struck out 63 in 71 and two-thirds, and even made a start at the end of the year with A Lehigh Valley. So we'll talk to Josh uh, about that. We'll talk about his time in Australia growing up there. When did he start to pick up the game? How the game has grown over the years in Australia. Uh, he kind of looked up to Graham Lloyd, who was an Australian left-handed pitcher himself, pitched in the big leagues for many years, and Josh got to work with him on uh, you know some international teams as well. Uh, obviously, when Hendrickson was here with the Blue Claws, he played for Chris Adamson, an Australian Blue Claws manager, so we talk about that uh, as well. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore, providing lawn fertilization, bed, weed control, tick and mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. Mention this ad and save 50% off your first lawn application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963, richgreenlawns.com. When we're done with Josh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about uh, some Blue Claws things as uh, we record. We recorded this with Josh on Friday. At the end, you'll hear him uh, predict a Kansas City Chiefs victory, but that did not happen. Uh, recording this part uh, not that long after the Bengals moved on to the Super Bowl. So as I record this part here on the 30th, 68 days until opening night at the Jersey Shore coming up on April 8th. It'll be February, believe it or not, on Tuesday. So we'll come back, talk some Blue Claw stuff on the other side, but let's get to today's guest on episode 29, Took Line and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services. Here is Josh Hendrickson. Pleased to be joined by 2021 and 2019 Blue Claws pitcher Josh Hendrickson in KC for the winner. Josh, welcome. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Greg? Good to talk to you again. How's the uh, offseason going for you? So far, so good. Um, a little bit of a slow start. I had my appendix out early on in the offseason, but after a month of sitting around, resting and healing up, I've been good to go and getting off the mound again. So when did you start throwing? Ooh, probably right, right around the start of December, I think, like right after Thanksgiving. How do you think your year went, um, you know, all things uh, considered? You, you began the year here with us in, 
in high A, but uh, you, I know you ended up in, uh, in Lehigh by the end and you weren't in, you weren't here for, for that long. You were promoted by you know, Memorial Day, give or take. How, how do you think all in your year went? Um, really good year, honestly. Like for me, my goal was to try and end the year in double A, whether it was an early promotion or a late promotion, but coming out of the gates and having success early and getting an early promotion, I was really happy with that. And then a bit of a learning experience in double A, but adjusted to that and started to get my feet underneath me again. And then getting that promotion to triple A right at the end was really cool. And I just enjoyed that for what it was. And hopefully I'll be back back there next season. What was the biggest uh, adjustment as you moved up the uh, up the ladder? Because you finished 19 in Lakewood, which was low A at the time. So, I mean, you really yeah. only spent three or four weeks in high A period, you know, that, that jumped relatively quickly into, into double A. What was, what were those adjustments like at each stop? I mean, first thing, the strike zone, it felt small. I mean, it's still the same strike zone, but like the umpires were, I felt like they were not quite stingy, but like they were more, like you get less calls out of the zone. Um, every once in a while, they would miss something like right on the black that you think might be a strike, but it could have gone either way. And then the hitters are a lot better. Like they're a lot more patient. Their approach, I feel like they're looking for one pitch. And when they get that, they they get their best swing off and they try to do damage on it. Yeah, I've heard pitchers always say that it's uh, the, the toughest part is that the guys will are way less likely to chase, you know, a high fastball or a breaking ball in the dirt as they move up the ladder. And, you know, you realize some of the, I don't want to call them mistakes, but your margin for error is a lot greater at at the lower levels, is that something you noticed as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you if you leave a breaking ball in the zone when you're trying to be, you know, out of half, like like at the knees and it like kind of leaks middle, they're gonna put a good swing on it and hit it hard. And like you might get lucky, it's right at the defender. Sometimes it leaves the yard, and that's just how good those hitters are. Yeah, and you're you know you're talking about you know one bad pitch could ruin an outing in theory too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like if it's deeper in like second, third time through the lineup, close game, then that could that could be the difference in a game. So what what kinds of communication have you had with the Phillies, and and how in depth are are they in touch with you guys regarding you know your off season programs and your workout regimens and your throwing your throwing outings and all that stuff? Usually, like uh, every week, there's a check in from an athletic trainer, a strength coach, and a pitching coach. So like strength coach saying, Hey, like what workouts are you doing? Do you have your own? Are you following the ones that they provide for us, which I've been doing. I love those. I've been following those. And then athletic trainer checks in says like, how are you feeling? What arm care you've been doing and pitching coach, like send some video, like make some little adjustments here and there and just like making sure we're built up, ready to go for spring training. So you worked with a few different pitching coaches, um, I know Matt Hockenberry, the couple times you were here and um, other guys as you moved up, Aaron Fultz was in, in Lehigh there at the end, multiple coordinators. What do you try to take from the different guys? And was there a, a, a coach or a coordinator that, that whose message kind of really resonated and, and clicked in with you? Um, like Hawk, Hockenberry was awesome. Like when I was in low A in 19 and then again, at the start of this year, just to like get me going back into baseball, back into and competitive mode and then after that like Berg, Brad Bergeson Bogey and double a he was great like game review learning sequences reading reading like hitters and their body language and then like it's just like taking bits and pieces from everyone like all the coordinators all the coaches and trying to make it my own 
and pick what I like best, what I think works for me, but still being open to learning new things from every coach. So I, w- I want to go back to, you know, you grew up in Australia. When did you start playing baseball? So when I was in elementary school, I took, we had like, in PE class, we played t-ball. And I was like, oh man, I love this. It's so much fun. So my dad signed us up and we we're playing t-ball. And then like, I think I was probably like 10 or 11, still playing t-ball. My dad was like, this is ridiculous. We need to try baseball. <laughs> like, and I was like, yep, all right, baseball. And it just went from there and loved it and still love baseball. And it's just something that I've always loved doing. Did you play other sports? Um, yeah. So like as a little kid, like, you know, in elementary school, it was like soccer, t-ball. Obviously I was swimming, I was like trying everything. And then once, once I started playing baseball, I was like, wow, this is, this is the one that I like the most. And that's just what I stuck with. So how has baseball grown in Australia over the last, you know, 10, 12 years that you've been playing? Uh, I think it's just been growing exponentially almost. I mean, there used to be the old ABL and then that, I think it lost its funding or something for major league baseball. Now it's back again with the new ABL and that's been, they've expanded that league and added some teams, but with the COVID difficulties, they had not playing this season. And then like at the, the juniors level, um, there's like the little league world series, Australia gets like a, a straight berth into that now. And then same with like, I think the intermediate league and senior league and like, and then um, a lot more Australian kids have been getting recruited by colleges. And it seems like every week there's a new commitment to a junior college somewhere. And a lot of those guys move on to four-year schools and some of them get drafted and play pro ball. And I did see recently that Perfect Game is actually going to start doing showcases out in Australia now. Wow. They're the big scouting service and they do showcases for scouts and it helps players get uh, get exposure. Obviously, they go all over the country here, but to get them out of Australia is – is very exciting. How, cause you ended up coming over to play collegiately. How did, did you kind of get discovered by, by the, by American coaches? So like a lot of American coaches, when they get done playing, they come out to Australia and like playing coach and start their coaching careers. And I had a coach at the time who his old college roommate was a junior college coach in Texas. And he, he was like, Hey, you want to go play college baseball? I was like, absolutely. And I went out there my freshman year and then, I think KU recruited Kansas recruited me a little bit, and then I transferred to a community college out in Great Bend, Kansas, and then San Diego jumped in when I was playing snowball and gave me a great scholarship offer, and it was just all right, no brainer there. Who has better beaches, San Diego or New Jersey? I'm biased. I'm going to say Perth. Perth has the best beaches. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. So you go to you end up at. Um, University of San Diego, what was the draft process like? Did you think you were going to get taken? Were the Phillies one of the teams you thought might might grab you and easy decision to sign? Take us through the whole dr- the draft process after your year in San Diego. Um, so I got drafted my sophomore year at a community college by the Royals, and the negotiations weren't really progressing. And I said, I've got another year. I got two more years of school. I can still have my junior year at a Division One school. And I was like, let's do that. And then I, I started to struggle a little bit. And I was like, okay, I'll be back for my senior year. The draft isn't really going to be happening. And I heard whispers from, like, one or two teams, like, hey, like, you interested? And nothing. And then, like, I think the 36th round, the Phillies gave me a call and they ended up drafting me in the 38th. And it was like, yep, let's do it. And it was just a no-brainer for me. So I you weren't – yeah, so going in, you, were, you really weren't – you were ready to go back for your senior year. Yeah, Absolutely. 
yeah, took me by surprise a little bit. And I was like, yep, let's do it. Let's get to work. And I think by the end of the week, I was down in Clearwater ready to sign and started working out with the Phillies. Like all yeah, the pre-draft or post-draft, like the new incoming guys and then rookie ball. And that's how it started. And they pushed you up pretty quick because you were here by by August, you know, two months, less yeah. than, you know, give or take two months after the after the draft. They already had you in a in a full season low weight league. What did you learn at that ex- to get the experience in a full season league? Uh, you know, right out of the right out of the draft there. Uh, honestly, I liked it a lot better than complex. <laughs> Shop to the middle of the day, get your work, play a game at night under a crowd, and it felt it felt like to me more more like baseball where like there's fans coming to watch and like there's something on the line every night. And like every time I was out on the mound, like it was a learning experience and just trying to soak everything in for me. So who are some of the the guys that you would watch um, playing when you, when you were younger that, you know, obviously I guess Graham Lloyd, right. Left-handed pitcher, Australian. Who who are some of the guys that you like to, that you like to follow growing up? Honestly, I was a big fan of any left-handed pitcher and like obviously Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels, big Phillies guys in the mid 2000s when I was like starting to watch baseball and uh, started playing and watching baseball. Those guys were huge. Um, Randy Johnson, always, everyone loves a big unit. Um, Graham Lloyd, especially like he was around in Australia. Like he's coached me a couple times on various teams and learning from him was huge as well. So you're you're what six four six yeah, five yeah had had you always been that tall I mean obviously that's a big asset especially for a lefty you know had had you always been that tall when when did you grow up to to, to that height probably like I want to say about like sophomore junior year of high school that's when I shot up and reached that height and I've been there since and it was just like it was a little uncoordinated body parts and limbs flying everywhere not sure what I was doing and. <laughs> As I started to get in the weight room, started getting stronger, it all clicked and came together with the height. Graham Lloyd's pretty tall too, right? He's got to be six, six eight, six nine, yeah, six yeah. Ten, somewhere up there. He's a lot taller than I am. Have Have you gotten to meet him through Australian baseball? Yeah, absolutely. So we did a couple uh, Australian teams where he was the pitching coach on it, and he was around just mentoring us and just chatting baseball basically and like telling stories about his time in the major leagues and just giving us insight into what it takes. So when you were here, obviously, uh, well, this year tank was your manager and you, we looked at, we did a little research when you were here um, and we found only two other instances where you had an Australian minor league baseball manager and an Australian starting pitcher. So I thought that was pretty cool. You guys were only the the third combo to, to do that. I bet you probably didn't think when you uh, when you left Australia uh, to go to college that you'd be playing for an Australian here in the States, right? Absolutely not. I never thought he, uh, on my radar that that was a possibility. Yeah. And he I know he um, he would post those Australian words of the day right on the board. And you probably, yeah. were you like embargoed from telling anybody what they meant? Uh, I had to be a translator sometimes on some of those. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I know he's involved with some of the national baseball in Australia's, uh, you know, organizational structure out there. I know they were trying to get or keep or get baseball in the, or keep baseball in the Olympics in 2024. That didn't happen. They're going to try to get back in in 2028. 
has it crossed your mind about playing for the national team, either in the world baseball classic, which uh, hopefully they bring that back next year or in the, in the Olympics in a few years time. I'd love to do both of them. Honestly, I think we had, we had to call We started to go to a qualify for the 2020 Olympics. And I was listed in that squad as like a reserve, like a backup player. And like, I'd love to try and get on that active roster. It all depends around the Phillies or, you know, like the, the, uh, the regular season, the minor league season or big league season in the States. But I'd love to be a part of that national team. Like I got to do a couple 18 U teams and like 23 U team. And those are, those are some like the best experiences for me being able to play for my and represent my country. And they would play in global events. Yes. Yeah. So where did you get to go before you even came? Like when you were with the 18 U team, where'd you get to go? I got to go to New Zealand for a qualifier. And then from there, I got to do the World Cup in Japan. Actually, on that U.S. team that year, Kevin Gowdy was on that team. And Mickey so, Moniak was on that team, too, I think. Yeah, Mickey Moniak, yep. Gowdy. I think Stoby, Paul Stoby. I that, think that you're team, right. That team had a lot of talent on it. And they, they beat us badly, but it was still Oh, they won experience. the whole thing. I think Gowdy was the winning pitcher in the gold medal game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, what about the Aussie Baseball League? You played for the Perth, the Perth team, which is uh, I was yeah. on the west coast of Australia. I mean, I remember um, a number of years ago, our pitching coach from here, Steve Shrank, went out there and managed one winner, or I think a, a few winners, and he was, you know, joking that they would they would be like he and his wife and kids, they would be hanging the 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 ads on the outfield wall like the morning of opening day or the the night before opening day. I know it's it's grown a lot since then um that how popular is that league and how does it kind of represent the growth of the sport out there i think it's always been a, a popular league but there's there's like i think there's some private ownership now there's a lot more funding and like the the stadium in perth within the i think i want to say the last five years recently had a renovation to add add more seating they've added like a little like almost like private boxes down below at field level and, and they moved like the, the backstop closer to fit those in um, new like concession stands. Like it's growing a lot and a lot more people are coming out to watch games and to watch baseball in the summers. Well, that's anything that will help grow the sport globally, obviously is, uh, is great for everybody, including baseball in the, you know, in, in the U S how many uh, did you play against tanks team? You must have, right. Did you know him? Yeah. When he came I to did. I didn't know. I didn't know Tank personally, but uh, got to meet him in spring training for the first time and then playing for him this year. But great guy, one of the best managers that I've had. I like him a lot. And I think it's great that we have him. Like, we're luck definitely lucky to have him. But when uh, – yeah, when when you heard that this guy, Chris Adams, that was managing with the Phillies, you are like, oh, that's the guy from Adelaide? You... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I knew him. He was the Adelaide's manager. I'm like, oh, that guy. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So I know you're uh, you've become a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. You guys might be listening to this after the game Sunday, but we're taping it on Friday before the the championship game. So I'll, I'll let you give us give a score prediction for Chiefs Bengals on Sunday. Oh gosh, I gotta I gotta do some math here. I'm still still rusty. Are you recovered from the from the Bills game? That was an unbelievable game. Uh, my heart was pounding during that that <laughs> that last minute, two minutes in the overtime, but. Uh, Obviously, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it'll be – I think it'll be within seven. So, I don't know, probably like both teams will be in the 30s, but we'll be up by a touchdown, I think. Chiefs close. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a shootout with uh, Joe Burrow. All right, very cool. Well, Josh, I don't want to keep you keep up the uh, good work. When are you heading out to Florida? I don't know yet. Still waiting on a report date, but when I find out, I'll be heading well, down there. It will be soon. You got a, a month, probably at most, probably less than a month. That, so yeah, you're ready. To, you're, you're raring to go. Absolutely, I'm looking forward well, what, to it. At what point does the at the beginning of the off season? Obviously, you're excited to get a little rest. It's a long year. It's a grind. Um, at what point do you guys really get excited to get to get back? Uh, you kind of get anxious from being home. For me, like mid, honestly, like. November, December, like that when it starts to get cold, it's like, okay, now we're, now it's starting to get ready and back into throwing. And it's like, okay, this will be, it's still a long way away, but it comes up quick. And that's when I start to be like, get rearing, rearing to go and just excited and ready. Awesome. Well, we, uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck. Um, we know you're not, uh, well, hopefully you're not coming back here. You're not, you're not coming back here. You'll be up in uh, a higher level. So we wish you the best of luck up there. Maybe we'll come visit. Uh, thanks for a few minutes. Good luck this spring. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was Blue Claw's left-handed pitcher, Josh Hendrickson. Thanks so much to Josh for a few minutes. Wish him the best of luck uh, as he heads down to Florida for spring training in uh, presumably just a few weeks. Hook, line, and splitter, Jersey Shore Blue Claw's podcast is presented by NJR Home Services, your New Jersey heating and cooling experts, bringing you high heat and cool savings. So, What's going on around the ballpark? The big news the Blue Claws announced this past week was the implementation of the all-new Blue Wave Bar. That'll be a new bar located on the luxury suite level of the ballpark, but most importantly, open to all fans at all games. Beach and coastal decor, and the team is actually collecting photos from the community that uh, will be used to help decorate the area and the surrounding hallways as well. And for that, you can... Email your pictures to bluewavebar at blueclaws.com. That's bluewavebar at blueclaws.com. A few more notes. Uh, Blue Claws Charities Luxury Suite Raffle is ongoing now. That will run through mid-March. $100 tickets, seven winners. Only 300 raffle tickets are sold. Each of the seven winners wins a 10-game share of a 2022 Jersey Shore Blue Claws Luxury Suite of $4,950 value plus everybody who purchases gets a one-time coupon for 25% off in the team store a voucher for four reserve seats to open a night at the jersey shore on april 8th and the ability to rent up to two suites at a special rate for six hundred dollars normally they are 850 so actually if you're thinking about buying a suite for an outing or whatever you just buy the raffle ticket and then you'll be able to get one suite for 600 so you're all in for $700, you have your suite, plus you have a chance to win the, the big prize of, of 10 and you've spent 700 instead of the 850 Also, if you want to come to Jersey Shore Blue Claws opening night on April 8th, buy a raffle ticket for 100 bucks, you get a chance to win. You'll get four tickets to uh, opening night, and that'll be a, that's a $72 value as it is. So uh, proceeds to that benefit Blue Claws Charities. More on that at blueclaws.com. As well, Blue Claws membership plans are currently on sale. They're the best way to enjoy Blue Claws baseball over the course of the summer. The 10-game membership plan, partial plan, you get tickets to 10 of the best games of the year, two boardwalk ticket games, uh, boardwalk game tickets, excuse me, at each game, early entrance, which is a big one, and two season ticket holder gifts. Plus, you'll get tickets to opening night, five-game membership plan, 
You'll get tickets to five of the best games of the year, hot dog, soda, novelty, ice cream at each game, and a, a season ticket holder gift and a boardwalk game ticket at each game as well, plus opening night tickets. So blueclaws.com slash memberships for that, or visit blueclaws.com or call 732-901-7000, option three, to speak to a Blue Claws representative. What do we have on tap here on uh, this podcast? Well, we'll have a couple of more episodes. Um, we're going to try to do at least one a week now uh, as we get geared up towards the towards the season. No promises about that, but we'll uh, we'll do our best. We will. Uh, I'm sure we'll have one with the new Blue Claws manager whenever um, that gets announced. We obviously don't know who that is yet. So that, but that'll be coming soon. They'll report to spring training in just a few weeks there. So uh, keep an eye out for that on BlueClaws.com as well. BlueClaws social media channels. We ask that you like, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, Hook, Line, and Splitter, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore, providing lawn fertilization, bed weed control, ticket mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. Mention this ad and save 50% off your first lawn application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963. That's 732-370-5963. Blue Claws promotional schedule will be out uh, pretty soon. We're within uh, about nine and a half weeks until uh, opening on April 8th is a Friday. This coming Friday, February the 4th, I believe, will be 63, yeah, the 4th, will be 63 days until opening night. So that's nine weeks. It will be here before you know it, we promise. Thanks for listening to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Thanks to our special guest today, John Shandrickson. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services, your New Jersey heating and cooling experts, bringing you high heat and cool savings. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon on Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast.